Hey gearheads and welcome to GT Garage Talk, a discussion about all things automotive. I am your host, Corey, and on this week's episode, I had to do it. I had to follow up on one of the hottest and most controversial videos I've uploaded to the internet, and that is centering around the 2022 Ford F-150 Lightning, the all-electric pickup truck that apparently has stirred up quite the controversy uh, on the interwebs. And I'm not alone in this week's episode because I am bringing on the host of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, the owner, uh, Tim Esterdahl, and we are going to talk about our shared experience, each having a week behind the wheel of the new Ford F-150 Lightning. Tim, so great to have you back. It seems like uh, we're always talking F-150 when I've got you on. I swear I didn't plan it that way. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that, that yesterday I was driving the Raptor R. Uh, so you're talking about, you know, just everything about Ford lately. I don't know. It just kind of works out that way. I'm not a Ford guy. You're not exactly a Ford guy either. But here we are talking Fords yet again. And the impetus uh, for this conversation was we've both spent a week with the F-150 Lightning. We've both come away with some opinions, uh, some final thoughts on what that truck is like, and I am absolutely sure I will pick your brain a little bit about what you can speak about on the Raptor R. I don't know what embargoes are there, but quick synopsis of what F-150 Lightning were you driving? What trim? Uh, I was driving the Platinum Extended Range uh, version. So the absurdly $96,000 price point of yes. the vehicle. Um, yeah, I, so I had that version. It was an interesting week. I picked it up in Denver. I drove home. had some pretty good range anxiety getting home. And then at home, I did 110. Then finally, I called my uh, electrician friend. We did a 220 hookup. Mm. And then we did a road trip with that as well. After, you know, for the weekend, I had to go to a wedding down in Denver and had some pretty good range anxiety coming back. <laughs> Gave people test rides all week. So it was quite the interesting week. Yes, yeah, so we had, uh, for all intents and purposes, the same truck. Mine was white, yours was red, spec'd just the same. Uh, unfortunately, and you touched on this a little bit at the end of your video about how you can't get them, uh, I went on build and price. We had a 22 model. You can only build and price a 23 model. Same truck, $100,000 now, 99 and some change. And I'm like, uh, like, <laughs> you yeah. had me hook, line, and sinker with the driving comfort, uh, the luxury, all everything about it, and you go on built-in price, and you're like, nope, not not happening for me. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, I mean, it went up seven thousand dollars year over year. Yeah, it just shows you the volatility of uh, minerals, uh, of of battery production, of supply chain issues that really impact that truck. Yeah. So, in my time with the truck, I posted a short form. Uh, Facebook and Instagram reel. And on Facebook, I think we're at like 12 million views now. It was pure and simple. I thought it was fun and innocent. It was shopping with my entire family, my wife, my son. We went to the grocery store, we picked up some stuff, and I just wanted to show off the frunk. The mega power frunk, as they call it. Did, did you did you cuss just then, or is that what you actually meant to say? Okay. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I liked your picture of frunk ajar, <laughs> and I was like, um, I, I've never had a vehicle tell me that before, but okay. But 
It was supposed to be just an, an innocent video showing off a feature that I'm surprised not many people knew about. And the hate, the vitriol, the personal attacks on me for my parenting skills, uh, for the beverage of choice that was placed in the frunk, which mm -hmm. my wife picked out, but I did enjoy. So we'll, <laughs> we'll set the record straight there. <laughs> I, I cannot believe just all the hoopla surrounding this truck. And I think your last video covering it, your summation, it was probably my thoughts exactly. I, I didn't expect to agree with you so much. I was like, man, I wanted to argue with him. And we will find a way to argue, I'm sure. But uh, what what was your experience putting all your content out in the ether? Yeah, I you know, I, I think I said in a couple of videos, there's no more controversial vehicle than the 1450 Lightning right now. Well, maybe, you know, you could say Hummer, you could say this stuff, but I think the Lightning is really controversial. And I think what um, I was surprised with was the lack of, uh, or the, the gross amount of misinformation, mm -hmm. the, the people making assumptions on it. I mean, I, I, during the week, I took a couple of people that I knew were not EV fans at all. They were right. anti, they thought it was all a democratic ploy to take over the world, all that kind <laughs> yep, of stuff. Yep. And uh, what was interesting was once I showed them what the truck was, I could just feel like the anger was like coming out of them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, oh, that's all this is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought it was X, Y, Z and all kind of stuff. And, you know, they make all these thoughts on it. And and it's interesting when people pick up on stuff. So I did a video on charging 110 and 110 charging is terrible. Absolutely. Took four days, right. Yes. And then I had all these conservative blogs, like actually had a couple of them pick it up and ran my story, mm -hmm. calling out Biden, calling it whatever stuff. And and then I, I was laughing about it because I was like, well, the next day I plugged in a 220. And I just charged overnight. So I'm like, boy, that story didn't age well. Nope. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, and, and I think that's the thing that's, it's so interesting. I was just talking to the Ford um, F50 marketing manager and he actually has a lightning and him and I were at dinner. We're, we're going back and forth on discussing it quite a bit. And, uh, you know, for a while there, the AV advocates were saying you can only charge a battery up to 80%. Well, they just changed that now to 90%. Mm. So here we are a week later and my video is already outdated. Wow. I think that's how fast things are moving. And I, if you're not paying close attention to the industry and not paying close attention to the, to the vehicles, you're going to see some headlines somewhere, and then that's your final decision. Oh, oh, it, it I had to charge. Uh, took me 13 hours to get across Wyoming. That's it. The truck's terrible. Yep. It's always going to be terrible. The rest of its life's going to be terrible. And it's like, it's like you know, I, I made the point many times, many people that we're in the Model T era of mm -hmm. electric trucks, and what you you know, and I I made a joke at the end of my video, and I was really controversial. I thought about cutting it out about 16 times, but. You know, I, I said, you know, it's all these people that are talking about, man, you know, I'll never buy an electric truck in my life. Mm -hmm. Never going to happen. I'm like, well, you probably can't. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's unobtainium. You know, if, if you're, if you, I'm sorry, but if you're 65 or 70 and you'll never buy one in your life, you'll probably be dead by the time one actually comes on the market with a reasonable price point, with reasonable range, and one you could actually could consider, consider buying. Right. And right now, I mean, I just saw a news story today that the Hummer sold out for two years. Uh, the Lightning's at least sold out for two years. I mean, I can't even, you know, they're not even fulfilling 2022 orders. So, right. you know, this idea that you, you'll never in your lifetime buy one, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I, and I also thought that the, the end of the story, I've talked to many people and I, I apparently I didn't realize I created a lot of controversy on Facebook, <laughs> I got a lot of text messages from it. But, you know, I, I think that then the story is, you know, if you believe that it's not good for the environment, you're right. 
If you right. believe it's good for the environment, you're right. If you believe it's not the truck for you, you're right. If you believe it's truck for you, you're right. I mean, there's there's no wrong answer with this. It's right. just it's just a different to me. It's an alternative fuel vehicle, an alternative choice, right? So I can't load that truck up and drive five states away with a camper and go camping for the weekend. Yeah, easily. It's, it's just not going to happen. It's not that's the truck okay. for you. Yeah, you know, it's it's like it's like I I, I think there's a lot. There's too much political gamemanship going on right now, too many announcements and stuff. I mean, uh, I, I think it's very clear to me that EV trucks are just not ready. Right. Um, I think they, I, I will say this differently. I think they are ready for customers who are going to use the truck in a certain way, but they're not ready for mainstream adoption. It, I think it was really clear. Right. Um, I, I was shocked about the stuff I learned and how, how the stuff I've learned over the years um, from different EV people I've interviewed was just not accurate. Right. You know, they were like, well, every day you plug in and then you wake up every morning with a full charge. I'm like, you can. Yeah. You don't have to, right? And then they're like, well, you know, 320 miles of range is great. That's just fine. Mm. I never once saw 320 miles of range. Yeah. I mean, I drove 200 miles and had range anxiety. I, I like, saw 320 miles every time I had it plugged in at 100%. But by the time I made it to the end of my street, it was down into 200 and i'm like i did not just drive 20 miles i can tell you that yeah yeah and they're like they're like well you know it'll just it'll just tow just fine i'm like well we've already seen the 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 data and the videos from that mm-hmm. it doesn't tow just fine right. you know it doesn't i mean so it's to me it's it, i i kind of surmised it by saying it's an suv with a bed yes and that's kind of how you treat it right now because um as a vehicle it's really good like you said it's smooth it's powerful it's quiet um, it's luxurious as a vehicle. It's really good mm-hmm. as a truck. I have a lot of concerns yep. and I mean, I've, I've owned Fords. Um, I own the power boost we talked about last time. So I'm not saying, not, you know, I, I've gotten to know Ford a lot more over the years mm-hmm. and I like some of their products. I mean, I, you know, the Raptor, Raptor R is going to be mm-hmm. bleep, bleep, bleep. Can't talk about it, <laughs> but I mean, you know, the Raptor is pretty, I mean, it makes some pretty cool stuff. I actually a big fan of the Maverick. I think the Maverick is yeah. the right type of vehicle for the right market. And uh, I just think the lightning is it's just too controversial. And I think people need to slow down a little bit. As, and I believe, you know, that we have politicians, we have the media that's saying it's, a tr- you know, it's, it's going to win an Actoy truck of the year. It's, it's just because the competition sucks. And also right. because that Jura base is all about latest, greatest, newest innovation. Well, of course, the lightning's going to win that. But I think that's going to be the wrong. I think that's going to hurt the lightning more. It's going to help the lightning. Yeah. So the way I see the lightning and I've put out some videos and I try and share it anytime someone has something extremely negative to say about the lightning. I did another short form content that was talking about, you know, Ford is very smart in this. They have the best selling vehicle in the United States, hands down Mm -hmm. the best selling vehicle. And they've just added another powertrain option to it, another fuel option to it. So like you said, it's an alternative fuel vehicle. But they've made the best-selling vehicle even more appealing to a wider base, to people who never would have considered a full-size truck, would never have considered anything like that, that are now like, hmm, you know what? It's quiet. It's smooth. Uh, it doesn't pollute. You know, uh, We can talk about the environmental impact of EVs until we turn blue in the face. Uh, I got so many content comments about the plastic bags I was using when I went grocery shopping. I was like, not everybody buys an EV for planet consciousness. Not everybody buys an EV for X, Y, or Z. Some people just buy it because they like it. 
I didn't even buy that one. Like, uh, just so much, so um, many. Welcome people. to the internet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, I, I was wondering, in, in my mind, and you may have even had conversations. Like, I understand why they applied this principle to the F one fifty again, best selling vehicle in America. But you've got the Lincoln. Um, Navigator, which is built on essentially the same platform and is is in that price realm already. And then you've got the Ford Expedition. To your point that it's an SUV with a bed, how long until we see the same technology applied to vehicles that make a little more sense because you won't be towing with it and all this other stuff? Yes, I think it's I think it's kind of controversial they call it an F-150. And, and I, what I mean by that is, so look at the Raptor, right? Is the Raptor really an F-150? <laughs> I mean, no. everybody right? considers it the Raptor, so no. Right? I mean, it's like, it's, so the official term is Ford F-150 Raptor. Mm-hmm. It's not really that, right? Uh, Mustang Mach-E. Yeah, yeah. Is it really a Mustang? No, it's really a Mach-E, right? So is it really an F-150 Lightning? No, it's really a Lightning, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what the, what the, put the F-150 in there, what, it does two things. First of all, it counts towards F and fifty sales, yes, which Ford loves, right? But also, I think that it actually hurts them because it creates some controversy in people's minds about what the truck is, mm-hmm. right? And so now they're looking at like, oh, it's just a battery F one fifty. I can just you know use that elsewhere, and it, that doesn't it, it it doesn't match up. It, it it doesn't make sense. And so I think it's interesting to see what they're going to do. And so we have GM doing as well. GM's got the Denali uh, EV Denali, and mm-hmm. we have the Silverado EV, and those are completely different looking vehicles. So I think from a consumer standpoint, it'll be interesting to see what their viewpoint is. I mean, is the right approach doing just a battery in F-150? I mean, I get why they did it, right? Help sales and people name recognition, that kind of stuff. But does it hurt them long term? And that the people that initially get the Lightning, are they going to go, oh, this isn't like my F-150 at all? It, it, I, it may not have the you know, same capability. And it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. Um, you know, lots of conversations this week. I mean, lots of people were discussing stuff. I mean, we, I went into the weeds with several guys about return on investment and, you know, that's just not there. And I went for a lot of people and I, and I, to your point too, I was like, you know, I know about four people that buy EVs for environmental benefits. Right. The rest of them buy it because it's fast, it's quiet and it's got tons of tech. Right. And so I, you know, I said to many people this week, I was like, you know, they're always like, well, environment, environment. I'm like, that's just, that's your viewpoint on it. Like people don't, People don't care. I'm going to buy a Silverado EV next year. I have a reservation on one. And my top buying reason is not environmental. Right. I'm just curious. I want to know what it does in the wintertime. I want to know if that low center of gravity with the battery in the middle, does that handle the snow and ice better? You know, I want to know, is it is it really warmer in the winter? Usually EVs heat up warmer. I want to see what preconditioning works at. I want to see what my app looks like as far as connecting to it and how long does it take to warm up. I want to see what range does in the wintertime. You know, because... I, I tell you what, I learned a lot of stuff this week from EV fans, EV advocates, and honestly, the biggest lesson I learned was don't believe any of it. <laughs> right. right. I was like, no, I'm going to go test it out. I'm going to go see what happens because what you guys have told me over the years doesn't match up to what I'm experiencing. So um, I, that, those are my buying reasons, and I, and, I'm, and I never once – I mean, look, I'm an outdoorsman. I golf, hunt, fish, all kind of stuff, and everybody wants clean air. I mean, right. nobody doesn't want clean air. We all want it. Um, for <laughs> no, me, I want to breathe I, smog. Like, come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it, but I but I tell people all the time is, you know, to me, there's a price to pay for clean air. 
Right. And I'm not talking financial. I'm not talking the $96,000 for the platinum. I'm talking, you know, with the EV, you cannot, you cannot drive an EV like you do a gas vehicle. Right. It's a different driving experience, different ownership experience. And so part of, the, part of the price to pay for clean air is switching your brain mm-hmm. thought process around it, right? So that's a first price. Second price is going to be take a little bit longer to get places if you need to charge towing a boat or towing a camp or whatever. Again, the price there. I, you know, I, I, it was funny. I heard a heard a comment this week. I've kind of latched onto it. You know, back in the um, – you'll love this with Tucker, uh, the Cars movie, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they're talking about Radiator Springs. And one of the comments they make in the movie, which I think really applies to EVs, is they said, you know, back in, back in the day on Route 66 – my mom, my wife says I say route, but Route 66. Uh, route 66 used to drive on to have a good time, mm-hmm. not drive on to make good time. Right. I think that that same thing applies with EVs in that when I typed in navigation to get to Denver, I didn't care at all about what time it said I was going to get there. Right. I want to know about miles and how many miles I had to get there and what if I need to charge in the way. Yeah. So, I mean, in my case, I had the time to do it, had a free Sunday, wasn't wasn't that huge of an issue but i think for people we've created this generation of people that want to look at things like they want to look at the 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 google maps how long to get there as a race right can i beat that time right (laughs) i mean that's the generation we created right but we need to go back to the generation before that said you know i don't know if you remember these days um i'm a little bit older than you are but used to be when you went on road trips used to you know you had to go you had to check your tires you had to put a virtually road Get in the back, you had to check your oil, check your antifreeze. I mean, those are all good things you still still should be doing, but that was a huge point of emphasis, even for a couple hour drive. Yeah. People would go through all that stuff. I mean, so I think we need we have to get back to that where it's gonna be, hey, it's not about the time you make to get there, it's about you know making good time out of it. You know, like we we stopped that Chinese food in a town called um, Fort Morgan. We don't ever stop there. Right. We stop at the the gas station, the Maverick, and we grab whatever out the counter. We go to the bathroom, fill up the tank, whatever we need to do, hit the road. And so it was interesting because I was like, oh, wow, this place actually exists. Like, you know, it wasn't our favorite place, but it was something different. And so, but we had to change the mentality because we knew we wanted to charge. So we just like, well, go have lunch. And so, and as chargers, you know, expand, it'll be a little bit easier to do this. The only charger in town was at Walmart. So we had to drive over. And, and, you know, it's funny. um, Somebody said, in the video, they said, well, you know, you stopped at Walmart a couple of times. You, I bought a coat. I bought a couple of things. We bought lunch. Like, did you save any money? <laughs> and I'm like, no. Yeah, that's. And I thought it was point. interesting because I think the assumption was from people that EVs were going to be cheaper to operate. And they are if you charge at home, right. but they're not if you go on a road trip. I was shocked at how expensive uh, the fast charging network was. I spent the... I spent damn near the same amount of money I spent on gas making the trip. And I had the additional expenses because I bought a coat. <laughs> you know, I was walking around Walmart, right? So, I mean, you walk around Walmart long enough and chances are you're going to pick up a few items you don't really need that you're going to pick up. Yep, yep. So I, I did a little bit of comparison. My daily driver, which uh, given my line of work, does not get a lot of driving time anymore, but is a 2014 Chevy Cruze Eco with a six-speed manual. Sticker says 42 MPG. I've gotten upwards of 50 if, you know, I can hypermile it and do all that stuff. A whole lot easier when you control the gearbox yourself. And I did a price per mile comparison based off of my home charging, which 90% of what we would do would be home charging. And it was like five cents a mile in the F-150 and like 14 cents a mile at that current price of gas for my car. And I'm like, for that, I'm getting a much bigger vehicle, so much room. Yes, the purchase price is different and 
I'm not going to, you know, go flip my paid off 20 or 2014 car for a 2022 electric vehicle that costs nearly a hundred thousand. That, that wasn't the point I was making, but you know, to your point about cost of ownership and longevity and stuff like that, depending on how you use your vehicles, yes, it could be cheaper, you know, charge at home. It's always cheaper to charge at home. Uh, you can't fuel a gas vehicle at home. Everybody, some of my favorite comments were people like, this is tr- the government trying to uh, make you reliant on them. They, uh, You won't be able to get anywhere. I was like, last time I checked, we can't, as individuals, make gas. You can go out and find ways to harvest electricity, whether it's wind, solar, whatever. And I know how slow that is, but you can do that. You can't make your own gas as of right now without like just... Yeah. All kinds of crazy chemistry uh, going on in weird science lab and yeah. blowing stuff up. So I, it's just, there are so many different ways you can look at it. But at the end of the day, you have to look at how you use your vehicle, what you expect out of a vehicle, and, and does that meet your criteria? To your point about road tripping, the first EV I had any length of time with was the Mustang Mach-E. And idiot me, like the day I got it, I went, took it to the only semi-fast charger we have in town, plugged up for an hour, uh, because again, semi-fast, and then headed out to meet my wife in Amarillo. Terrible idea, (laughs) because the infrastructure between here and Amarillo, Texas, is horrible. What was supposed to take seven hours in a gas car took 14, and Mm -hmm. I had to talk my my way out of a cash-only toll with like 5% battery left. Like I I was sweating bullets on that one. But to your point, you just have to reframe everything about the trip. It's not a gas car. Don't treat it like a gas car. And oh yeah, the infrastructure is going to get better over the years. Yeah. You know, I mean, Nebraska, right. So we'll be there in the year, uh, 2055, 75, whatever. Surprising number started with a two. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Uber up here is literally the man's name is Uber with a wagon. I mean, so it's it's a whole different animal up here. And so I, I think that that's going to happen. I was my takeaway was, you know, I'm probably one or two public charging away from making a road trip to Denver a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with Denver is a couple things. I'm at 3000 feet. Denver's at 5200 feet. But Cheyenne's actually at 6000 feet. So you actually go up about 3000 feet. You level off and you go south. And typically, it's always in traffic. There's always wind. There's always something. So it's 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 definitely not the driving experience that people want. And I had an EV advocate actually reached out to me, and I said, "Well, I asked myself, I'm being fair in my coverage." He goes, "Yeah, you're being fair." He goes, "Where do you live?" So I told him, and he pulled up a map between Denver and my house. And he's like, "Oh my god!" He goes, "I'd never own an EV there. That's like an EV <laughs> desert. There's nothing charging." I'm like, "There's no. Them. You're going to the farmer's house. Hopefully, he's got a welder or something. You know, somehow hijack into that line if you had to plug the fits right and." Yeah, so I mean, it's it, it was it's interesting to talk about that stuff, but I I still think that public charging to me is not the real issue. Mm-hmm. What what I think about more is private charging, and what I mean by that is I mean businesses and I mean housing, right? So you know, I ran two twenty outside of my garage to be able to uh, plug this in for a uh, overnight, right? right. So two twenty charging, empty to full, which again, you shouldn't do. EVs, you never do empty to full. Again, not a gas vehicle, but empty to full was 12, 13 hours, right? So, I mean, that's where you want to charge. And I was at home and I just plugged in and went to bed. You know, it wasn't wasn't that big of an issue. But what I think about, like, all right, so 
Um, if I have an EV and I want to go to Rapid City for the weekend, which is about 180 miles away, or maybe 190, and I get an Airbnb up there, yeah, what I don't do, you do. My focus is, can I charge up there? Right. I don't want to. I don't want to drive all the way up there and then go to a charger and sit for a couple hours or an hour, or whatever it's got to be, and then go to the house and then you know have dinner and have a bottle of wine, whatever. I want to be able to get up there and enjoy my time, you know. And so that's the last thing I want to do. And then we had another inter- really interesting comment come up and really came up in my head. So, you know, in my area, we go to Thanksgiving dinner and or Christmas dinner, or whatever, and it's a good 45 minutes away, hour and a half round trip in the winter, right? So my theory, I'd probably, I'd probably be able to get there and back without any problems. But let's say I get up there and have a low range battery, right? Or my battery, I need to plug in. And I'm at my uncle's house, right? So, or my, I guess, cousins, whatever. But I, the story is like, what do I do? Yeah. Do I ask him to let me plug in? And then if I do that, isn't he giving me free gas? Right. And so then what do I do? Do I leave like a 20 on the dresser and walk away or something? <laughs> I mean, you know, so, so I was talking to the Ford marketing manager about it, and he actually has the same situation. He drives up north. Yeah. He pulls his boat from basically um, middle Michigan all the way north of Michigan. And he says his boat gets a little more range than a camper would, which makes mm-hmm. sense, right? So a camper has a, has a lot of wind resistance on the top right. of it. But he says his neighbor's got a welder in the garage, and he's converted the plug, and he just goes over and plugs his, his car in, or truck lightning in, and he basically gives a guy 20 bucks. Huh. Every time he, because he, yeah. he's, like, well, I don't know, what, you know, and then, and then the other thing, like, you're, you're the homeowner, you're literally giving your guests free gas. Right. So I asked in the, uh, one of my videos, people were really commenting on it, they're like, is that rude, or is it not rude? Like, where's the social norm going to be about that, right? So is it... If you you know it's it's like if somebody comes over to my house now I have a two twenty and they want to plug in, how do I feel about that? Yeah, uh, I would charge a going rate, man. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll put a I'll put a gas sign outside my house, right, yeah. with numbers of the day, and you know, put a oh, drop thirteen cents you. per hour now yeah. or whatever. Now, what was crazy to me was again uh, the only semi fast charger around us is behind a. Uh, lock and key at a dealership like the infrastructure here in east texas is not here yet which makes sense and doesn't all at the same time and uh so when ford dropped it off like i had to agree that normal delivery protocols yada 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 go out the window i said just just bring it i can charge it at home i've got 240 uh Uh, before you go too far so just people understand that when they drop vehicles off to us, they're required to have like a full tank yeah. gas and clean right. all kind of stuff per right. their contract. Right. Not per us, but that's right. per their contract. So with EVs, I've had to make the same um, consideration you've had where it's like, you, you just, you can't do that. Yeah. I've gone and picked them up from uh, the companies in the Metroplex, like what, whatever, because I know people are interested in it. The knowledge needs to be out there. And so, yes, uh, I, I make the concessions and they brought it to me. It was at like 50%. And our charging situation currently, we're looking to upgrade it, but currently our dryer is in our garage and I've got an adapter uh, that changes that plug to the receiving plug from any popular EV nowadays. And I plugged it in and it was saying something like 24 hours at 50%. I was like, that, that's not going to work. And, you know, after a little bit of time, it got ramped up and... Part of it was uh, the portable charger I was using to plug it in, and there are so many variables. And it's been a while since I've taken any electricity classes, and you know, amps and watts and volts and ohms, and uh, yeah. it oh, it it hurts. And there, uh, 
it, it gets frustrating, but that was a big shocker to me seeing that here I had a truck at 50%, which is probably where it would be a lot, you know, run some errands, do stuff around town, whatever the case may be, you know, East Texas, we're pretty spread out around here, bring it back, plug it in. It, it's going to be charging for a while, but at the same point, I don't need it at a hundred percent. You know, people imagine that you're driving 320 miles every time you get behind the wheel of a vehicle. That's not the case. Like mm-hmm. we, we get hung up on this range number. Do you, do you know the range of your uh, gas Tundra? Like how uh, far you could get yeah, on the Yeah, actually, because I've been asked this so many <laughs> yeah. times. 425 miles, except for when a wife drives, like 375. Yeah. Because oh. the thing is, like, that range number, I, that was another eye-opening to, to me was, I was surprised how many people looked at the range of lightning and said, okay, that's what it's going to be. Right. 320. Like, we've known now that EPA estimated numbers are terrible, right? right? And that range is really a byproduct of your driving conditions, your driving habits, and, you know, well, how much you hit the throttle, Right. And so I was surprised how many people are now doing the math. They're like taking the Google count, Google Maps mm-hmm. and drawing lines and saying, yes, I can just barely make it or, no, I, you know, I make it for 20 miles range, whatever. Not realizing that that 320 is not real world. Yeah. And I was surprised about that, too. And, and the, interesting you brought the dryer because um, so one, of my friend, one of my friends was like, well, just plug in your dryer outlet. He goes, Put, plug in your dryer or your oven outlet. Mm-hmm. And I was like. First of all, I'm not going to pull my oven out right. every time I want to charge my EV. Like, like have you? I'm like, are you serious? Have you not pulled out your oven lately? Like, yeah. ovens are nasty underneath the ovens, right? I mean, it's pizza crumbs, it's it's bread crumbs, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's. The, I, I'm going to have to swap the floor, you know, mop it up. Yeah. Second thing is, is, as you pointed out, is that that so the plug is a NEMA 1450 mm-hmm. on the Lightning, right? And that what that means is it's got one circle, two straight lines, or three straight three lines. Straight well. Lines, yeah. What I mean by that is if you look at the NEMA plugs available on dryers, welders, and uh, anything 220, mm-hmm. and I think I, I, I saw a screenshot of it and I shared it. I think there's 40 different variants of that plug. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing, too. So, like, if you if I went to your house and I want to plug in my truck, you know, it, hopefully you have the right adapter. Tesla right. sells adapters right. to adapt different plugs. They're $35 a piece, and there's at least 10 of them on the website. So, you know, imagine going to somebody's house and opening up this bag of adapters. <laughs> Which one do you one need? One match the other one, right? And then, you know, my my washer dryer is actually in right outside my garage is in this room. So I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and also the thing is the F50 Lightning doesn't fit in my garage. Right, same here. So I'm like, all right, so I can run a cord, uh, let's see, on the floor around the door, but it's 220, which means the cords will be thicker. I can't close that cord. Mm-hmm. So I need to get a, a 220 extension cord, which is uber expensive run it all the way out through my garage, close the garage door, and then plug the truck in. And oh, by the way, I can't, clo- I can't close the interior door between that and the garage. So that means all the heat loss or cooling mm-hmm. is going to be, I'm going to spend more energy keeping my house cool because I have the air moving back and forth because yeah. my garage is open. And I'm like, well, that, that, that's not going to So, so I, again, I was told from EV advocates, well, your house has got 220 in it already. Just plug into that. Right. And what I've learned was, that is a load of malarkey. <laughs> it's absolute garbage. Because and you know that thing too. It's like I had electricity come over and we put uh, two twenty six wire six gauge two twenty wires six by three because we had to get that line for the plug. But we put a fifty amp service in, mm-hmm. and uh, luckily I had the breaker box for that. Right, that's another big problem. Right. But also that the home charger that uh, Ford sells, they want you to install up to a seventy amp service for that. That's great. Well, it's impossible, yeah. right? And and they told they told me the charger I have was a mobile charger that had to have 40, 50 amps of service. 
that thing we, we went I went downstairs with a draw meter. It never drew more than 30 amps. And so I'm like, the 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 numbers are all wrong. Yeah. Like the numbers are all over the place. And I'm just like, you know, I'm like, I'm trying to make this work. And I I, I did my scouts, you know, best on making this stuff work, but I'm like, I'm like, no wonder people confused. And also, you know, in the in the and I said to one of my friends, I said, you know, install rates range anywhere from a thousand to six thousand. He goes, How'd you get six thousand? I'm like, okay, cars.com had six editors and they yeah. all installed chargers and you know, some of the houses, if you have like your breaker box in your garage and you have 200 amps of service, okay, or 150, whatever, you can add 50 amp service. You can you can plug it in. Simple, easy. Right. It's easy wiring. But lots of houses in Michigan where they installed it were older homes in 1950s, 60s builds, and they had 60 amps of service and they had a detached garage. And so they had to not only upgrade the breaker box, they had to upgrade the wiring going into the house, they had to upgrade the transformer in the street. Then they had to dig a hole through the trench to the yard, run new wiring out to the garage, put a new breaker box in that garage and plug the mm-hmm. wiring in there. Yeah, that's $6,000. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's like, it's like, this is not, you know, and then, so we have, uh, what I counted today, I think I did a Google search. There are 80 million people that own homes in the United States. That doesn't count the renters, the townhomes, mm-hmm. the people that, that can't even do it. So, you know, we're talking, what are we talking? 200 million homes and they look globally. We're a billion homes that have to now figure out some sort of a setup to be able to charge a vehicle in the house. And then that's also taking into account all the infrastructure spending that not the government's going to spend. Right. The utility company in town is going to spend. So my my advocate friends were like, well, you know, if you need more power, the utility just bring it in and just put in more power. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, charge me for it. <laughs> no, they, they won't charge you for it. They're, they're full of money. They'll just pay for out of the pocket. I'm like, yeah. What company do you know out of their goodwill, their hearts, going to put in, <laughs> you know, all this money and, oh, we feel sorry for you. Yes, we'll go ahead and put yes. this in. No, I, the, the local utility here in town is owned by the city. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pay more in rates and more in taxes because if all my neighbors in the street put in 220 chargers and we start drawing more power, they, get, they have to replace the transformers in the streets. They have to dig up the wiring. They have to put higher gauge wiring in. They have to add more. Uh, they have to expand the power plant. They, I mean... This is this is not like it's just a simple like oh it's not a big deal the utility companies are full of money those pay for it right no that, that we're, we're all gonna again the price to pay for clean air yeah. if everybody in your neighborhood has an EV and you don't guess what you're paying for their EV yeah and you brought it up just my house was bo- uh, built in the 60s it it was not intended <laughs> for EVs like that no. that was not a consideration when this house was built we've got some friends that just built a house. They don't have an EV. They ha- they drive an expedition. And they thought, you know what? We're doing it now. We see the writing on the wall. They had a plug put in in their garage just in case. You know, they're future-proofing. But that that's where we are. Like, there's this breaking point of now we're starting to think about it in home builds. But look at, to your point, how many houses are already out there that you're going to have to retrofit, do something crazy with. You know, I I, I and, do and not. My know. question. Yeah. So your friends future proof that for one EV, right? Most people in their houses have two to three cars, right? right? I might have kids. I'm gonna have five cars here in a little while. In five years, I'll have five cars, right? right? And so, are we gonna fight now over that one single charger? <laughs> yeah. Like the work it's I my did. Turn yes. to plug in because you know that happens with cell phones all the time. I, I've taken yeah. so many trips with teenagers where they're fighting over. Well, what percentage are you at? What percentage are you at? We're gonna get yeah. that way with cars and this. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, can you match? So, so I put. I, I mean, I put fifteen hundred dollars basically in the house. So I have a thousand dollars of goodwill labor because I have to know the the uh, mass electrician, mm-hmm. and like five hundred dollars worth of supplies. 
And now I was thinking about when I when I was doing that wiring, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to have to do this again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to have two plugs now. Now, I shouldn't, but because of my wife and I's driving style, whatever. But, you know, imagine I, I can imagine scenarios where both cars are dead. One person gets a charge. The other person thought, you know, I charge honey on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. You charge on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, we're going to have to have, we're gonna have, to have writing on the calendar what days you charge, what days you don't charge. Conversations about whose char- car is charged up more. And, yeah, you could always run the, the – eventually it will be the local fast charger and right. get more charge in. But I'm sorry. I my, my public charging experience, everything worked. Everything worked fine. It was slick as hell. But that's the last thing I want to do. So that's another interesting experience. I have never, not once, even going to repeat instances at the same charging station, I've never, not once, had a completely 100% smooth experience. And mm-hmm. either it, uh, the first one I pull up to is broken, or it stops charging after 10 minutes, or x y or z happens and it is never a 100 percent smooth experience again that road trip i took in the uh mach e you know ford's navigation tells you where to charge how long to charge and yada 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 and plans out your route my first stop plugged it in did a little work you know got the pictures and everything i needed for video content went to go eat wings in the parking lot basically and it stopped charging while i was eating but it did not stop charging me for sitting there plugged in because I was taking up a charger. And so that factored into the cost of that road trip. So I, I've basically been paying for electricity I wasn't getting. And like it, the network needs help, drastic help. And Ford has realized this. There's an article on the drive uh, about how Ford is like, They've got a whole department where they like secret shop all these Electrify America and all these other chargers. And, you know, they try and help fix the network because that's a huge part of EV adoption. And well, and there's so much learning, right? So uh, certain vehicles can only take so much charge versus other vehicles take more charge. And so, like, I, I ran a situation where we had uh, 350 kilowatts of charging, which I come to learn is pretty darn fast. Mm-hmm. We had 150 kilowatts charging in downtown Denver, and then a little place in Nebraska that I didn't even bother going to had 50 kilowatts of charge, right? So, yeah. you know, the, the game is like, how much charge can my truck take at that time? And then it creates these interesting, um, again, uh, public uh, social norms of if you pull into a spot that takes 350 kilowatts of charge, but your car can only take 75 and somebody else behind you waiting for you but all the other spots are taken. So, I mean, right. it's like, what do you do? Like, are you going to have an EV police out there going, no, 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 your car can only take 50 the cars. You move two stalls over and you restart your business over again. Yeah. That's not going to happen. I have seen conversation online about that. I, I'm in a few different groups that uh, there's some serious consideration about, you know, plug-in hybrids that are plugged into the 350 kilowatt chargers when there are, you know, Kias and Hyundais that can take it sitting there waiting. And it's like, you know, most people, we know, you and I know, because we're in the industry, we keep up with this stuff, but most people don't know. My wife wouldn't know. If I sent her on a road trip, she wouldn't know which one to plug into and which one, you know, she goes, okay, this plug matches my car. Good to go, right? And the the learning curve is massive. To your point, I, I agree we are in the Model T era 
of electric vehicles, applying electricity to the best-selling vehicle in America, again, to your point, maybe the smartest, maybe the dumbest move in the world. One of my favorite things about it is it's just a truck. Like, you get in it, it feels, aside from the screen in the middle, it feels like any other F-150. Yeah. It feels yeah. very familiar. And going after the pickup truck consumer, you want it to feel familiar. And at the same time, you know, it's got the tech, it's got smooth ride and the power and all that stuff. So uh, there's a lot that's going to have to change, uh, both in our minds, how we drive, how we perceive trips to go, and then what we expect of our vehicles. My The biggest thing to me uh, in all of my comments were, and it seems to be the same source, everybody is quoting 80 miles of range, anywhere from 80 to 90 miles of range when towing. I'm like, you're you're obviously all reading the same articles, but I, I, I'm, I'm still considering doing this, sticking a GoPro to a windshield, driving around East Texas, like pickup truck central. We, we drive them like family vehicles around here and counting how many vehicles actually actively have a trailer hooked up to them because it's maybe 1%. Like it's ridiculously low. People assume, you know, I'm towing all the well, time. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a couple of things with that. So and I get that question all the time, but, um, a few things you got to understand is most people with, uh, especially in uh, city areas, mm-hmm. they actually have their campers at RV storage places. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be hooked up all the time right. because they have to go get their camper and hook up and go from there. It's like my 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 cousin drives a one-ton F1, F-350. He drives it downtown Denver and drives it back. It's dually. It's got a long box. And it looks stupid driving around town, right? right? It's completely the wrong vehicle. But he's got... Oh my God, it's like some gigantic 75-foot camper. I mean, this thing is like a quadruple axle thing. But he can't park in this house because he has no parking in this house, so he actually has RV storage. So, right. you know, though, and, and like for me, um, I don't actually own a camper right. because we use RV share. Hmm. And so I'll go rent a camper when we go camping somewhere because we don't camp as often. It doesn't make sense for me to own a camper if I'm going to go camp once a while. Right. We, we go back and forth around this stuff all the time. But So, like, I rent a camper. And then for me, when I, I have like a, a, I put like 10 ton of rock outside my house and you do another 10 or 20 ton, whatever. Um, I just go rent, I rent the camp from the, uh, the, um, the trailer from Home Depot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, if you drive around, you won't see trucks hooked to the campers. My truck is, I, I can count a number of times I've had my truck hooked to a camper outside my house. Right. It's so rare because I, again, I don't want to leave it hooked up to the camper. Um, I always rent campers, um, or I borrow a camper when I'm doing my towing test. I have a cousin who's got a camper I borrow, um, which is kind of works out. All new vehicles come out like in uh, January and February. So mm-hmm. she's not using it anyways. She's like, here, right. you know, yeah, go, go. and I'm always out there. It, my videos are always like, here we are cold in Nebraska again. Why does this always happen to me? You know I mean? It's, it's all my videos that way when I tow, but, um, you know, it's so, the thing is like what, what I, what, what we all do. And I think what all customers are doing is we're not looking at the 95% of our, our daily driving. So mm-hmm. for my case, 90, 95% of my daily driving at EV would be fine. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really would be what we all do is look at that one time worst case scenario, right? That's what we all plan for. And, and my managing editor, Jill and I were discussing this live stream and she goes, well, see, see, you'd be fine 95% of the time. And I said, yeah, I'd be fine 95% of the time, but what do I do with that 5% of the time? Yeah. What, what do I do? And then, you know, again, my advocates were like, we just go rent the truck. Well, I wrote a whole thousand word story on this. You can't. Right. Because 
Uh, let's see. Uh, what I look at, uh, the rental company, so the only one that has it is Enterprise, mm -hmm. and they charge you extra to actually tow. It's mm -hmm. in the agreement. You have to pay ex extra per mile to tow. And that is if they have a truck that's available, right? right? And they typically don't have things available. Uh, Turo says, Turo, if you're using a truck, you cannot tow or take it off-road. Which I thought was hilarious because this guy in Colorado, he has he's buying Tacomas and Four Runners and starting an off-road uh, uh, business on Turo. And in the agreement, in, in their in terms of service, says you cannot take vehicles off-road or tow with them. So Turo is not an option. That Home actually Depot, may be smart they for don't, him. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to drive around a big orange truck with 1995 on the yeah. side of it, right? Yeah. For Home Depot, right? But yeah. also, Home Depot doesn't allow you to tow. They literally said in the agreement that it, it, they don't have a fifth wheel hitch on these things, that you can bumper pull if you bring your own equipment. And they really, I mean, it's really discouraged. Right. And so, I mean, because towing is a is a is a unique aspect of driving and not everybody's comfortable with it. And there's a lot of uh, more accidents that happen when you're towing. So I get it. So, you know, I, and it, it was funny cause I threw it back to Jill cause I went to uh, uh, Chicago. Mm -hmm. There's no enterprise truck rentals in Chicago mm -hmm. at all. Yet she has to go up to Milwaukee to get an enterprise truck rental. And I says, okay, so how do you get your camper from Chicago to Milwaukee? Like you sure as hell aren't getting the horses and, right. you know, oh, yeah, yeah, let's go. You know what I mean? I mean, so it's, so yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I get that a lot. I mean, and then the last thing I tell people, like, uh, I remember an EV friend advocate and I were, we were going at it in my live stream one time and I said, you know, I said, okay, well I said, I said, you have a four door sedan or yeah, four person sedan, right? He says, yeah. I said, okay, what's in your trunk? He goes, what do you mean what's in my trunk? I said, well, do you <laughs> have beer and cargo question. in the trunk? And he goes, well, no. I said, well, then why do you care what's in the bed? Right. The bed is the truck's trunk is the bed. Your car is the trunk. I said, do you carry four people in a car all the time? Well, no. Okay, so if I drive my truck around by myself, nothing in my bed, what the hell is the difference between that and your sedan mm -hmm. with one person, nothing in your trunk? Well, it's just totally different. It's just you're just you know the use case of the truck is terrible, and you're just not using a vehicle for your needs. I'm like, yeah. So here's what I need to do. I need to go spend my seventy-five thousand dollars in my new full-size truck. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to go spend another sixty thousand for some EV sedan mm -hmm. so I can drive the EV stand around when I need to use it for that business case, right. that usage case. And then my truck parked like, come on. And, and, and you know, it's like people are going to buy vehicles for a variety of things. And there's right. no better utility vehicle out there than a truck. You can do whatever you want. You can tow, you can haul, you can not tow and haul. You can, you drive around empty all day long. You yeah. drive around full of people. You can do whatever. It doesn't matter what you want to do. You can do it with a truck. The answer to do all questions. I still have never seen a Honda Civic with a fifth wheel hitch yeah, towing a yeah. 50 foot camper. I just, I, I don't know why. I just haven't seen it. No, the answer to all questions uh, was my press vehicle from last week. And that's Mazda Miata. Oh my goodness. I had so much fun with that car. And I was like, it's everything I need. I don't commute. Like it's just yeah. me. Gets great fuel economy. Uh, I, oh, oh, I, I mean, <laughs> Miata is, when I, when I started in this business, I learned quickly that the Miata is like the, the auto journalist dream car. Mm -hmm. It's like if they could build a brown station wagon Mazda Miata, everybody <laughs> would lose their crap over that, right? Yes. I mean, it'd be, oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever. I just freaking love this thing, right? And I, and, and I, so I went to a track event and I had never driven a Miata and there was one sitting there. So I was like, all right, I'm going to drive this Miata. And I, and no business, I don't cover right, this at all. Right. I was like, I'm just going to drive it. And you know, Mazda was fine. They're like, go, go for a drive, whatever. Yeah. They're just standing around talking, whatever. And I'm driving this thing around. I'm thinking to myself, this is a cheap, inexpensive convertible mm -hmm. with low tech with good driving dynamics. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. I mean, it, it literally, it, it hasn't yeah. changed since 1992 or whatever, right? <laughs> right. It has the, the, the business case, man, it hasn't changed and people love it. And yet it's just, 
soldiers around with yeah. the sales and keeps, you know, they sell 5,000, 10,000 a year and also 10,000 next year and they don't have to do anything to it. I think they did what? They did one special anniversary edition of it in the last 10 years. And that's it. And they're yeah. like, oh, you know, maybe we'll give it a USB plug this year. Oh, it's an upgrade. Great. Fantastic. Right. And then the other spectrum, yeah, these lightning just got like, oh, what we're going to do here is we're going to put like 47 USB plugs in the yeah. front and yeah. rear. So that way, if you want your crock pot plus your, <laughs> your plug in kegerator, you can power all that stuff up and have a grand old party. You know, such a difference in vehicles, such a weird place yeah. to be in, in the market right now. Which is proof uh, to tie this all up with a bow as we near the end. Uh, there is a use case for every vehicle. There is a vehicle for every use case. And in Ford's summation of it, there's an F-150 for every use case. So if you're not towing, if you're not going off-road, if you're using your pickup as a family vehicle, you and I both agree, yeah. F-150 Lightning. All day, every day. It, yeah. As long as you can as charge as, it. <laughs> as long as you know your lifestyle. I mean, there's a, right. some more caveats there, but yeah, I mean, it 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 the lightning does work. It right. I, I made it work for my family, my life. It does work. It's just different. It's different. Yeah. And then you know, if you want to go off road mildly, get a trimmer. If you want to go off road fast, get a Raptor. And mm -hmm. you know, there there is an F one fifty out there for you. You spent a year with the EcoBoost with the Pro Power on board. You know. There's a use case for that out there. You ended up charging or using the generator function of that truck for your house, did you not? Yeah, yeah. a lot so, of power, yeah. Yeah. So Crazy. I mean, legit, people are like, well, you can power your house. And like a couple days later, I literally lost power. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, let's do it. Yep, there you go. So I, for me, Ford was smart starting there. And I, I am anxiously waiting them applying all that same tech to something with a Lincoln star on it because the price point justifies it. They're uber luxurious. Uh, they're getting there. I mean, we spent a week in an aviator and we're just blown away with how far that brand has come. So mm -hmm. there, I don't know. I, I, I am very interested to see, I know they're having a hard time keeping up with production on one. So, you know, adding multiple lines is just going to be a logistical nightmare, but I'm waiting to see more vehicles with that same tech and that same de design philosophy. Yeah, I'm waiting to see uh, after the initial rush what the conversation is like with EVs. You know, I, I think when when the Lightning first came out, um, there's a lot of hoopla about it, and I think what we've seen from different towing tests, from different articles, different things, it kind of has diminished a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've had people tell me to pull reservations because all of a sudden they're watching videos, like, "Oh, this is not what I thought it was." Yeah. And so I'll be curious to see what happens. I'm very curious to see your Silverado EV, what what that works out to be like in your situation with the current infrastructure, with everything going on around us, uh, how yeah. that fits your use case. And I'm very interested to see that. I'm very interested to actually see if I get it. That's where I'm at. They're like, like, oh, it's going to be here in 2024. I'm like, uh, I bet you it's not. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm, I, I'm up there right now. I'm not budgeting for it being here. Right. I'm not like all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to make, you know, no. I, I, I'll be curious. I mean, it's 400 miles of range. So theoretically, it's 80 miles more, theoretically, which mm -hmm. turned out to be about 30 miles more. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be, I'm just curious. And I think the thing with Silverado that makes it so much different than Lightning is, the way they're positioning it, the way they're marketing it, it's such a, it's just different. Mm -hmm. it, 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 they're not trying. So I'll be, I, I, I'm going to be curious what the hate is going to be online with that Serato. If mm -hmm. it's people going to get the same hate because it's not, you know, because it is, it's so different. I think it's really going to show 
whether you're right or I'm right, or maybe we're both right or maybe we're both wrong, doesn't matter. But it's going to be interesting to see what people look at that versus F-150 if their thought process is different because it looks so different. Yeah. All right, Tim, where can people find you and all that you do and keep up with your EV uh, story when, when and if that Silverado ever shows up? Right, right. So check us out at pickuptrucktalk.com. Made it as easy as I could. Pickup yeah. truck. Talk. I mean, I know my audience. Simple. Get it done. <laughs> Keep it simple. So, and uh, pick up truck talk on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also on YouTube. If you go to the website, you can find all the information there. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us, talking a little more F one fifty. Sometime we'll talk something else. Maybe when you get that Silverado, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk Chevy because I've got sure, my bow tie sure, back sure. there, so I'm Chevy all the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> And there you have it. I am so very grateful for Tim coming on and shooting the breeze with me. Honestly, when I originally pictured him coming on to talk about the F-150 Lightning, I really thought there was going to be a little more uh, butting of heads or disagreements and kind of the uh, old school way of thinking and the new school, give me all the tech way of thinking. But turns out we agreed a little more than I thought we would. And I mean... Yes, it is a very controversial pickup, but he made some very good points about, you know, we're just at the beginning and we're along for the ride to see how this technology evolves over the years and what new things are created and adapted for the future use in clean, quote unquote, clean energy. But uh, as always, I am incredibly grateful to my guest this week. Thanks so much to Tim Esterdahl. You can go check him out at pickuptrucktalk.com and go find him on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, you know, all all the things. Uh, We will put links to his website and his YouTube channel down in the description below. And then as for us, you know where to find all of our stuff. Just head on over to gtgaragetalk.com, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, at gtgaragetalk, all that fun stuff. Until next time, gearheads, bye.